Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. for our missionaries right now during this time. Uh, some are having to flee country. Our missionaries to Russia have left Russia, crossed the line into Finland, got different tickets in order to come home, even maybe extend enough stay. They might be shipping their car home from Russia. And so we need to remember all these different ones. And Pastor Naomi going back over to Philippines, that's the first time to my knowledge he's been able to be actually over in the Philippines to stay as a missionary again since before COVID. And so this is a monumental thing of him getting back into the country of the Philippines. Imagine uh, over several different churches, of course, imagine, and I'm not saying just your pastor, because that's what he is to them, being gone for over two years. And maybe not necessarily, you know, uh, people necessarily to be able to really step up into that exact spot and row. And so we're thankful this morning that he's able to get back to the Philippines and we rejoice with him as a result of that. Uh, Matthew chapter number six, just a reminder too, as we get into this evening, a world missions commitment service, your commitment from last year is not finished until the end of this month. All right. Your new commitment does not start until April does not start into April. So although you might make a commitment tonight and they're uh, in the past, people have started in their new commitment, doing it in March, and they've not yet finished up their own commitment. All right. So your new commitment don't begin until April. Matthew chapter number six, going to read just one verse, number nine, and uh, going to try to just reach backward a little bit and pick up on some things we didn't finish with last week. Spirit of the Lord was great in here, and that's no problem. Matthew six in verse number nine, the Bible says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have been looking at for the past couple weeks and weeks here, still yet in the future, of what is typically known as the Lord's Prayer. But how that applies to us and how the Lord has really left a pattern, a pattern or a manner uh, after which we can pray. We looked at last week about our Father. We really didn't get finished with that. So we're just going to kind of touch on that a little bit. But our main focus then today will be on hallowed be thy, thy name. Amen. This morning. We're going to pray right now. Jesus, I come to you. We need you, Lord, in this place, God, enlighten our hearts and our minds. God of your word, God, I pray, Jesus, for our lives. Help us, Lord, to look to it. We know, Lord, these are the words of life. They can help direct us, encourage us, and instruct us, and we take them as that today. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Of the church, say amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. So last week we looked at a little bit. Uh, over the manner he said when you pray say our father and two different foes that we looked at concerning uh, the lord as our father he is our father in a very uh, way of creation that we are his creation and he is the creator and so he is our father by means of our our place of origin where we have come from the source of us but he is also our father if you've experienced the new birth of being born of water and of spirit like jesus told nicodemus uh, to do so in order to see or be a part of the kingdom of god then he is our father of our our 
new birth, our regeneration in Christ Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, the, the creation creator type of aspect, they seen God as something that was afar off and uh, maybe not someone that they could necessarily reach. But whenever God manifested himself in the flesh or came down in a body in the flesh and everybody seen him and knew him as Jesus Christ, he became a father to us of our new birth experience. Some, someone that they could relate to. And I talked to you last week about uh, the little boy who went out among the parade of his dad that was coming home, but his dad was like a big emperor of a nation. And uh, the, the soldiers tried to keep him back from that man who was the emperor. They told him, he said, don't you know that's the emperor? And he, his reply to them, well, he might be an emperor to you, but that's my dad because he had kind of a, a two-fold relationship with this man as being his emperor, but also being his father. And to, to, some, uh, to some, he is a father only in the sense, when we speak of God, he is a father only in the sense of being the creator because they haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they've not been born again of the water and the spirit. But to the disciples that Jesus was teaching in Matthew 6, he was also a father to them because they had received his spirit. And they, they had that daddy relationship with him. The caring, the compassion, but they also had that creator relationship. The one that ordered all things and directed all things. And so father is a relationship, a course term. Uh, you have someone that help uh, be responsible for you as far as your existence here in this world. Uh, your mother and your father, it's a relationship type term. So in the beginning, God was father only by virtue of having created. But now he is, of course, father by virtue of the spirit of adoption that we looked at last week. We've been adopted into the family or born into the family. The Bible says in John 1 and verse number 10, he was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so this is speaking about the man Christ Jesus that came into the world, which was God revealed in flesh, came into the world, and those that received him, the Bible says he gave them power to become the sons of God. And so if they are the sons of God, then God is their father. In the first chapter of the book of Romans, you can read, and as you begin to read, it says there was a time whenever people began to turn away from God. They didn't like to retain God or remember God in their mind. And they tried to ignore the very existence of God. And the way in which they did this is that they created all these idols and false gods of wood and stone. And they made these things in the likeness of animals or in the likeness of some planetary system or a particular planet or star. And they would worship them and serve them because they were trying to ignore the true creator of the universe. They were trying to ignore the existence of God. And so they begin to serve creation more than the creator. But whenever we say our father, which art in heaven, our father, that is a statement of source. That is a statement of origin. In that statement is the very existence 
of God. Amen. A father that's in our regular families, even here in the earth, a father in the family is one that we kind of color with, with the, 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 the color of one who provides for the needs of his family, protects, takes care of his family, and uh, a loving father who, who cares for us, not a judge, not a policeman. We don't call him a peer, but they are our fathers. And so when we say our father, our father does not make God any less God by calling him our father but it makes what it makes to us is God's might and his majesty and his power it makes all those things that those of old thought was unapproachable it makes it approachable it makes it accessible he's someone that we can talk to He's someone that we can confide in. He's not just my creator. He is my father. And so I can approach him because I have that father-son relationship, amen, with him. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. He is, in many regards, if you've been born again, if you've had the salvation experience, he is our spiritual father. He has adopted us into his family. And so we're able to approach him just like a real literal child can approach their earthly father. It transcends, though, him just being the creator in my life. Naturally speaking, there are kids today, sad, sad to say, but there are kids today in the real world that have legal fathers that they've never been able to approach. They're a father legal, they're a father in only the legal row, but they've never been able to be approached. But our God is not just our legal father, but he's an approachable father. He's a father that's involved in the lives of his children. Right? And they know that and they can go to him. And the Bible says, you pray, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, art, well, you don't hear anybody using the word art as it is in Scripture here. Nobody uses the verb art. Art thou going to the store? Who says that? Huh? As a matter of fact, if you look it up in a dictionary, it's going to tell you how this word is very old and it's used as a verb sometimes in a very many days ago in the old era, a present tense verb. But then shortly after that, it's going to start talking about skills and artistry and painting and sculpture and all of that. But the scripture says it's using it as a verb, as a present tense verb. Our father, which art in heaven, it begins with that, which art in heaven. And that's a present tense and so that the powerful reminder that our God is a present. It's not back then God. It's not that's the Bible God of Old Testament of David and Abraham and Moses. No, no, no. He is a present day God. He, he's a living God. Amen. He's a God willing to interact in our lives. He's a right now God. Amen. So he's a present day God, which art in heaven. Amen. And one reason this, this speaks this, because the idea throughout the Old Testament and the Bible is that the gods, little G-O-D-S, all these multiple gods that people served were gods that were usually over certain things. 
There were gods for travel. There were gods over water. There were gods for trees. There were gods for certain districts and certain regions. And so they, you always needed to know what the quote-unquote local god was so that whenever you prayed or did anything, you knew to address that god. If he was in the hills, you wanted to know the name of the god of the hill. If you was, if you was at a stone you, you, or a lake or something like that, you needed to know the god of the lake. Or if you needed fire, you needed to know the god of fire. And so you needed to know the particular God over each different locality so that they might bless you or not bless you. You could talk to them. And so everywhere that they went in the world, whatever city, town, or district that they went in, they had to find what God was in control of that region, what God was in control of the weather, you know, all these different things that you had to know because you wanted to be in good favor with that quote-unquote God, amen, for things to go well. But the scripture says that our Father, amen, is the Lord of all. He's transcendent, our Father, which are in heaven. If I can say it like this, he is above all region. He's above the mountains, the lakes, the rivers, the valley, the, 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 the all these things. He's above all those things. He's above every authority. And in that regard, we're never outside his care. It doesn't matter if you're in Russia or Ukraine or the United States. He's God, which is in heaven over all. Doesn't matter if it's river, valley, fire, whatever. That is the awesome thing about being children of the Lord Jesus Christ, children of him. I don't have to think about which God to approach. I approach the same God with every need, every circumstance, every dilemma, every, oh yes. I'm not trying to look through my handbook about which God is over what. I know which God is over what. He's the God over life and death. He's the God over sickness and disease. He's the God over unclean spirits. That's my father. My father. Amen. Hallelujah. Just like that little boy in that story. That was his dad and his emperor. Amen. The caring, compassionate one, but also the authoritative figure one that had, had government, if you will, in his hands and was able to do what needed to do. So our Father, which art in heaven, places two things side by side. It places the love of God of being our Father figure, and it also places the power of God of being the one that reigns from heaven above and can do so on our behalf. Someone say Amen. So that's a pattern. That's the manner we address him as that. We ad- when we come to him in, in prayer, we address him knowing he has the authority over anything that we might have need of. Amen. And he's present. And so which art in heaven, verse 9 says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is not another word that we just use every day, you know, in our language. But prayer, of course, here in Matthew and the Lord's Prayer, it's very important. Prayer is important to God. In the Old Testament, prayer was so important that he shared with Moses, he gave him what was known as the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. That tent that they had everywhere they went as they traveled through the wilderness, God gave Moses the pattern to that for one particular purpose, so that men could approach God in that tabernacle. And have communion conversation with the Lord. In Exodus 25 and 8, the Bible says, and let them make me, this is God speaking, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. 
the tabernacle, the sanctuary, that was God's idea for really one purpose so that he and his people could communicate. As a matter of fact, it wasn't man, man didn't say, let me make a sanctuary, God, so I can communicate with you. No, God says, make me a sanctuary so I can communicate with you. And so God desired man to make him a sanctuary that he might dwell among them. And it is the age-old problem. Still yet today, folks, it matters not. Still yet today, we have trouble sometimes with prayer because our desire is not as intense as God's desire for talking with us. It was his desire for the tabernacle for communication, not man. And we still, sometimes he's still got to say, McGee, make me a sanctuary so that I can communicate with you. Because God wants to talk with us. God wants to interact with us. He wants to dwell, if you will, among us. He wants us to be able to approach him. And our means of approach in the real world still yet today in the Old Testament is a tabernacle. But today it is by virtue and venue of our prayer. That's how you approach God, through your prayer. And remember, the Lord's prayer here is basically divided into a couple of sections. The first three petitions, and we'll look at them in weeks to come, but the first three petitions concern God. And the last three petitions concern us and our relationship, amen, with God or even with mankind. And so our focus and priority first and foremost, though, in this is placed upon God, then our brothers and sisters. It's later we get in, when we get into all that language, even from the start of our father and we and us, all of that isn't just talking about me alone, but me and everybody else, all the rest of humanity is involved. When I say we are going to the store, I, you know, people say, what do you mean we? You got a mouse in your pocket? That's what my parents said, right? You got a mouse in your pocket? I don't know. Did everybody, did anybody ever carry a mouse in their pocket? I'm just wondering, but nonetheless, it's more than just you. Somebody else is involved. And so the manner of prayer that he has us to follow, amen, again, it's emphasized here in the Sermon on the Mount, and he was talking to them about worry, and he was telling them in the Sermon on the Mount not to worry about your food, not to worry about your clothing, and this is what he said in all of that, in that paragraph speaking about that. He said in Matthew 6, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about what you eat. And what's he saying? Lay that aside. That's not what's priority. That's not should, shouldn't be the first go-to. He says, me, my kingdom. Communication with me. Everything else will fall in place. As long as you get this prayer line with me right. And so the scripture says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. It's not a declaration, it's a petition, it's a request. It isn't a statement that his name is hallowed, although his name is hallowed, which basically means holy, but it is a request, look at this now, that we would make his name hallowed in, the, the implication is, in and through our lives. Now, the word hallowed, again, we don't use this today, but the word hallowed has the same meaning as holy, or ho, W-H-O-L-E, wholesome, heal, or healed. I'm going to throw a little language here at you. In the Greek language, it means holy, or different, or separate, or in other words, let God's name be treated differently from all other names. In the Hebrew, it means, the name means the nature, the character, 
or the personality of the person. So he said, hallowed be thy name. We want it to be different or separate from other names. It is the nature of the person, the character of the person. When you put all these meanings together, amen, it, it enables us to see. It enables us to give thee the unique place which thy nature and character deserve and demand. That's what we mean when we do the scripture, hallowed be thy name. Now, I throw a name out there. We'd say... Uh, Cox, yeah, how about that one? Sharon, right? It's what you're identified by. Name is what you're identified by. And whenever I say Cox, you think of more than just the name. You think of the person associated with the name. Different things come to your mind about Sister Cox, good, bad, and ugly, doesn't matter. The sum essence of who she is is conveyed by that name, her, that label, your relationship to her, and what type of relationship, all that's conjured up whenever you state that name. And so our name is not just words that are attached to us or labels that are put on us. It is the whole of who we are. It's our whole being. And so when we say again, if I say Sheila McGee, that conjures up all the senses attached to her, who she is, what she does, type of personality that she has. When I say her name, her whole person comes to my mind. Someone say amen. Exodus 34, hallowed be thy name. Exodus 34 and verse 5, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. And the Lord passed by before me, him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children to the third and to the fourth generation. In verse number five, if we can go back there, Brother Mason, in verse number five, whenever God proclaimed his name unto Moses, he said the name of the Lord. But he didn't just say the name of the Lord or he didn't just say Yahweh. He did not just say Jehovah Lord or the Lord God. He says the name of the Lord. He says, I'm gonna proclaim my name here's my name he just doesn't say look at verse 6 the Lord God he says the Lord God merciful gracious long suffering abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy forgiving iniquity transgression and sin in other words whenever God conveyed his name he conveyed the composite of all the attributes of who and what he was it was more than just the Lord he's saying I'm merciful I'm gracious I'm a forgiver of sin and transgression. He was telling him all, oh my Lord, someone say amen. And so whenever you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not just mentioning a name, you're mentioning a nature and a character that's associated with the name. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm calling on mercy. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm calling on grace. When I pray in Jesus' name, he is the healer of the sickness. He's the deliverer of the soul. Someone say amen. All of these are in the name. John 5 and verse 43 says, Jesus is speaking. I am come in my Father's name, Jesus says, and you receive me not. 
If another shall come in his own name, him will ye receive. Because Jesus, the name of Jesus, again, are all the pieces, all the attributes, all the characteristics of God. He said by his own mouth, I've come in my Father's name. That name that God shared with Moses, the merciful, the long-suffering, Jesus says, that's all of what my name represents and embodies is right there in the name of Jesus. Not only does his name embody all the character and the nature and attributes of God, his literal fleshly body encompasses all that. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, for in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells there bodily in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead, all the attributes, all the essence, all the parts, if you will, and characterization of God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The total essence of who and what God has been, is, and forever shall be is found in Christ Jesus. Amen? The Bible says in John 17 and verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Jesus speaking here. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. He says, I have manifested thy name Look what he says. I've manifested thy name unto the men. I've revealed, Lord, I've revealed unto men who you are, amen, through and by my name. Because who I am and my name manifest everything that you are to the world. Look again at another scripture, John 14 and verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He will do it. He says he'll do it because you asked in my name. And when you said the name, all those characteristics, all those attributes of God, by virtue of mentioning my name, amen, is found whenever you said the name of Jesus. So when you ask for healing in Jesus' name, amen, you asked for healing from the healer. When you ask for financial help in Jesus' name, you ask for financial help from the one who the Bible says supplies all of your needs. The Bible says in John 3 and verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night. This is the story of Nicodemus. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In the mind of Nicodemus and what he understood, Jesus had God with him because of all the miracles that Jesus was doing. And all the miracles that Jesus was doing was peculiar evidences of God. They were part of God's attributes and characteristics. He was a miracle worker. However, what Nicodemus didn't quite get right, it wasn't that God was just with Jesus, but God was Jesus. Amen. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. In other words, when you say or use the name Jesus, you have 
access to everything that God was, is, and shall be. When you say, Jesus, listen, here are some of the Old Testament titles or names that we read in Scripture. When you say, Jesus, you have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. When you say, Jesus, you have Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. When you say, Jehovah Rapha and Jesus, you have the Lord our healer. When you say, Jesus, you have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. When you say, Jesus, or Jehovah Tiskanu, you have the Lord our righteousness. You have the Lord of hosts. You have the Lord that is there. You have the Lord that sanctifies. Hear me. The Bible, Isaiah prophesied. He said there'll be a day, there'll be a child that will be born. The government's going to be upon his shoulders and of his kingdom there will be no end. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born. It's speaking of that child, Jesus Christ, that was born in Bethlehem's manger many years ago. He said a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so when Jesus was born, the whole essence, attributes, characterization of God was manifested that night in Bethlehem's manger. Amen. And so then Jesus gives a prescription in scripture, a command to be obeyed in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the awesome thing about baptism. Baptism is not you signing a card and just uh, enacting church membership. When you baptize someone, not in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but in the name of Jesus, you are baptizing them in the total essence and attributes and characteristics of everything that God's being is and shall be. If you baptize them in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you're immersing them in only, if you will, three relationships and attributes and characteristics of God. There's a whole lot more to him than just, a whole lot more to him than just that. And the only way to sum it up is to speak his name. Because when you say his name, you baptize them in the healer. When you say his name, you baptize them in the deliverer. When you say his name, you you baptize him in the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Great I Am, the First and the Last, the everlasting from everlasting, that which was and is and is to come. When you do it in the name of Jesus, hallowed, holy, different from every other name, is your name. Amen. Well, in the Russian palace, a Russian palace, there's a gallery in which there are several hundred portraits of young maidens, and these pictures were painted by Count. Rotari for Catherine II. That means a lot to you, I know. But the striking feature in this collection and those that were familiar with her, the empress, and her habits and her tastes, they could find these things. Her habits, her tastes, 
things that she liked in each portrait if they were familiar with her. Sometimes half concealed, sometimes half revealed. Something that reminded them of her. In a few of her portraits, there was a particular jewel there that she admired. If you knew her, you knew that. You knew the significance of that, of the portrait. And another was a flower that she favored or that was dear to her. Again, if you knew her, familiar with her, then you would understand that. Others were some features of her face. And another, uh, it was some type of connection or association with her life. And so the whole gallery was just glorifying the empress But it's just here and there, there were certain segments and parts of her that was depicted in those pictures. And those that were in the relationship or knew something were familiar with her could pick up on it. Amen. It's interesting that the hallowing of the name, the setting apart, the separation of the name in Matthew 6 comes after we call him our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Because our father puts him on our level again something someone we can relate to that daddy level right abba father abba meaning daddy that daddy level and listen i'm not going to be you know the rubbing shoulders buddy buddy level with the lord and forget that he's supreme and has all authority in my life but there's got to be a proper balance i understand that he cares about me but i also stand he has power to do what needs to be done in my life and so most Most Jews, most of the Jewish prayers that they pray always begin addressing God as their father. But usually not without some type of follow-up about ruler of my life, king of great power. In other words, they offset him being their father also with his power in their life. They balance it out. So this hallowed be thy name, again, is the first of three petitions That concerned God in the Lord's prayer. And so in this petition, I'm asking for God's name to be hallowed or reverenced or different. Again, and the the emphasis is or the implication is that it would be these things reverenced and different through me. Through my life, let your name be made holy and set apart in my life life why the bible says in second corinthians 5 12 now then we are ambassadors for christ as though god did beseech you by us we pray you in jesus in christ's stead be reconciled to god we are someone say i'm an ambassador yeah And so as an ambassador, if your row is an ambassador, you don't represent yourself. It's not the purpose of an ambassador. An ambassador represents one who sent them. Usually someone of a pretty high rank that has sent them. You are a representative of someone else. Matter of fact, you're usually in another land. You're a resident representative If you're an ambassador to the United States, you're a representative of the United States, namely the president of the United States and those people that govern our world. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. What? What you eat, what you drink, whatever you do, you do for the glory. Yeah, why? 
Because you're an ambassador for God. So what you eat, drink, whatever the affairs of your life are, they're for the purpose of him. You know how it does. Uh, we, you know, sometimes you, at least I remember as growing up, you know, you're representing the McGee name. You ever heard that? You represent this family. You go outside these four doors. You know what I'm saying? Make sure your hair's straight and your pants are on the right side and your shoes on. You know what I'm saying? However you act out in the community, you know, you're representing the McGee household. And when it's well, it's going to reflect well then upon your family. And when it's poor, it reflects poor upon the family. Well, we are sons and daughters of God. We're children of God. And by our lives and whatsoever we do, we want to bring honor as an ambassador unto his name. Not, not just McGee name now on the line. I got that name that's above every name. That if I took on in baptism, that's kind of where we get into part of the command in Exodus 20 where it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's just not about you saying GD. That's about you taking his name on in baptism and then living like you don't know him. Well, glory. We really don't care much for professions because they're really cheap unless there's something to back up what's been professed. So if we say we're Christians, the challenge is this, prove it. Amen. If we are Christ-like, then, then the works of Christ should be evident in our life. Huh? Life of Christ to a certain degree should be evident in our life. Spirit of Christ should be at work in our life. Amen. There was a guy that was, he was in Switzerland. He was wandering around the mountains and stuff, and he got pulled over by the authorities, and they demanded his passport, and he says, I'm sorry, the wrong thing you want done. Brother Mason probably testified this. He said, I don't have it with me. Whew. He says, but my name is Dor. They said, prove it if you are, because they knew who Dor was. Dor was a famed artist. And so that man got out a little piece of paper that he had there and he began sketching on it, began to sketch a group of peasants that were over there standing with all the grace and skill that could be had. And the officers explained, enough, you are door. Why? Because they had a profession. They just wanted to know if he could prove it. I'm telling you, I'm a Christian today, but the authorities are saying, prove it. All right, walk out, see how I walk, listen to how I talk, how I organize my life, see my demeanor. Hopefully they'll say that's looking a whole lot like Jesus. That's looking a whole lot like him. You're one of them. You are the one of the name. Matthew 19 and verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know what David was basically praying? Hallowed be thy name. 
I want your name to be holy and distinct and purposeful through me and in my life, through my words and my meditation, that it would be acceptable unto you. Amen. So our prayer then is, hallowed be thy name. And so whenever we allow God to be the Lord of our life and we surrender to him, we're drawn then into a learning process of becoming a different person because we have a different name that's been applied to our lives. Martin Luther, years ago, he said something to this effect. He said, you do not command a stone which is lying in the sun to be warm. He said, it'll be warm all by itself because of where it's at. It's in the sun. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 through 16 says... But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God don't, he don't have to, he don't have to command anybody to be holy. But you will be holy because of where you're at. And what's been applied to you and who you are in relationship with, if you truly are. Amen. And so the statement, be you holy, again, it's not a command that any of us accomplish by our own means. It is an empowerment that is derived from being one of his, from his name being applied to us in his work, having been done in our lives. If you'll stand with me, I'll hasten to a close. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God has a holy people because they have a holy God. It's that simple. He has a holy people, a distinct set apart people, because they've received a holy and distinct set apart name. Amen. To their lives. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, We want God to be everything that he is and is known to be in our lives. In our lives. And for this to happen, maybe it requires the prayer that John the Baptist prayed whenever Jesus had his earthly ministry. And John was telling some of his disciples, go follow that man there. He said, I must must decrease so that he may increase and so we live our day-to-day lives shuffling back and forth how much we're allowing him to increase and us to decrease or how much we're squelching him and we're allowing ourselves to take the forefront amen pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be he's a holy god a holy name and i'm glad i have that upon my life all the characters characteristics and attributes of God everything he is amen when you're baptized in his name amen you put on in baptism and I'm grateful and thankful for that and that makes me amen his son then by virtue of being born again of water and spirit as John 3 amen says can someone say amen Amen. hallelujah so again this is a pattern to follow not just something to mimic and to you know be like a parrot you know, parrot it, our father, which, no, no, no. Think about what you're saying. 
Think about what you're saying. Think about what you're, you're, you're doing when you do that. Amen. And see how life measures in accordance. Amen. With that this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Thank you so much this morning for being here. Amen. To our guests, we're thankful that you have been here as well. These doors are always open to you. Amen. Anytime you want to come and visit us. Amen. Please remember there is church tonight at 6. And uh, Brother Danny Hampshire will be here. And this is our World Commission, our World Mission Commitment Service. Amen. We're going to be, uh, of course, highlighting missionaries and, and uh, the works that are going off in foreign field and souls and things of that nature. Amen. Come with your hearts and minds open. Amen. Because we have been commissioned. The Lord commissioned his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. Matthew, I think it is 25, 24, 25 there, said that he's, he's not going to come until that message has reached every corner of this world. And so you're hastening the coming of the Lord through supporting a missionary or helping the word, or word get to perhaps a third world country or some sector tribe of people that may not otherwise know have not someone went. Amen. If we embow our heads today, I'll pray a prayer of dismissal. Father, God, I thank you today for your love. I thank you today, God, for your spirit. God, for the word. God, it is rich. It is powerful. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, be with your people as they go their separate ways. God, help them, oh, Lord, to look back over perhaps some of these scriptures. God, to meditate upon them, think about them. God, and help them, Lord, not just to pray the prayer, but, Lord, God, to attach their mind to it and think, God, of how that relates to us, Lord, in our everyday living. If we are to call ourselves one of yours, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. You're dismissed this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.